This week's podcast brought to you in part by MacMall.com, your number one Apple superstore. Check out their daily deals on iPads, MacBook Pros, and the fourth generation iPod Touch by clicking on the MacMall.com link on WhatDoTheySaid.com. Please. Hi, I'm Dan. And I'm Doug from Hoobastank. Hey, this is Jennifer Love Hewitt. Hey, what's up? This is Kelly Clarkson. This is Zandy Aris from the Dr. Phil Show. If you're not listening to What Duvet Said, then you're functionally retarded. Hello, I'm Tommy Lee. Hi, this is John Bon Jovi. And I'm Richie Sambor. Hi, this is Brandy, the winner of The Apprentice. Hello, I'm Phil Collins. Hey, this is Lindsay Lowen. This is Alec Baldwin. Hi, this is Alicia Witt, and you're listening to What Duvet Said. Did you hear... Did you hear? Did you hear? Did you hear? Did you hear? What do they say? Good evening. I'd like to welcome you to a special installment of the What Do They Said podcast. My name is Wesley Vanderport, and I will be your host this week as Bob and Jason are out on holiday. What we've got for you today is a unique treat. We'll be taking a loving look back at prior episodes of the program, particularly the Snark Tank segment. We hope that our new listeners will enjoy catching up on items they might have missed out on hearing the first time round, and some of our long-time listeners will enjoy revisiting some of these classic conversations. The lads will return next week with their regularly scheduled podcast, so keep those letters coming to whatdoveysaid at gmail.com, as your emails mean so much. Find us on Facebook or ring us up at 415-937-0445. But for now, sit back, suit up, and join the lads as we splash about in the snock tank. Hey, that reminds me. I understand that you have a new segment uh, in the podcast. Is that correct? I do. I do. It's, uh, we're going we're gonna to call it the snark tank. Oh, all right. Well, I think we even have some theme music for the snark tank. Let's, uh, I hope, let's give I it a hope listen. So. All right. Here, here, here we go. Ready? Yes. What do you think? Do you think that, like that, is that a good introduction to the snark tank? I think it's okay. Well, so so today's chum for the snark tank, and I've I've got several to choose from, but I'm gonna go with celebritizing food. Okay, lay it on it me. Goes, it goes a little something like this: Since when did we as a society have we run out of heroes that we have to elevate garlic? to, uh, you know, hero status. I, I, the reason I bring this up is I watch a lot of cooking shows. My wife loves to watch cooking shows, so invariably there's always one on in the background. And I watch these shows, and whenever the cooking host, the celebrity chef, says something like, okay, we're going to put up a few uh, cloves of garlic in here, everybody in the audience goes, oh, garlic! I mean, they can't contain their joy for garlic, right? So I'm thinking, well, well garlic must be A-list, right? And then they talk about, you know, like, and then we're going to dice up a little eggplant. And egg, ooh, eggplant. And everybody kind of like, there's kind of, you could, so it's eggplant some people's uh, bag, not others. But still, there's a kind of a, a, a succulent quality, I guess, to eggplant. I just wanted to vent about the fact that we, we have so much we got to celebritize everything, it seems like, and, and to the point where inanimate objects, and I'm assuming food's inanimate, fairly, isn't it? Uh, yeah, much like, a, much like a stuffed animal. <laughs> it's like a, like a, a plushie? Yeah. But, but, but I, I just, it's aggravating to me to think that a bunch of grown adults, you know, I'm reasonably well-educated, I guess they're sitting around in a television studio clapping for garlic or, 
or you know, uh, foaming at the mouth over olive oil, and then these hosts are just kind of like you know, fetishizing all this stuff. It's just it, it's getting out of hand. We gotta these whole celebrity chefs are getting out of hand. We gotta food is something we need to survive. It should taste good, but uh, enough already with uh, you know garlic. Unless of course Rupa can book garlic on this show, then I'm all for having garlic. But that's today's. Uh, snark tank. It, it, it's it's. Uh, I guess I'm anti-garlic at this point. I don't even know where this, this is. We're feeling it out, folks at home. But uh, all right, the celebritizing, the celebritizing of food uh, this week on the snark tank. Uh, of yes. course, if you have any comments about. Oh, the snark tank. And that's how it all began, right, Rob? <laughs> all right. <laughs> and who can forget this one? I have, uh, speaking of uh, explicit and, and, and maybe controversial, yeah. I've got some chum for the Shark Tank. Oh, you, Do we have music for that? I, I'm in. Hold on a second. Let's uh, prepare for visiting Rob in the Snark Tank. Here is your Snark Tank theme. Oh, that gives me the chills. I can't wait. What, oh. what, what have you got chumming around yeah. the Snark Tank this week, Rob? Okay, here it is. I'm going to say it and let, let, let the phone, let the emails and the phone calls start raining on me. I'm over Betty White. Betty White be damned. Enough of Betty White already. There, I don't know if you noticed, there's like several commercials featuring Betty White on this week's episode of Dating in the Dark. Um, she was all over the Emmys. I mean, could this, the, can, can Hollywood wring more out of this poor woman? It, 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 I mean, is she dying soon? Why is Betty White on... As much as she's been on television, I, I don't get I, it. I, mm. I mean, any any thoughts on Betty White? Because it's, seriously, it's you know it was cute at first. Now it's just getting annoying. Everybody's so honored to be with Betty White. See, the chick hasn't had a hit show since the Golden Girls. Yeah. And I, I'm I'm just not I'm not buying it. It's the same shtick every time. She's this kind of isn't she a lesbian too? No, no, she was married to Alan Ludden. I mean, I don't know if she's a lesbian or not, that, but she. That doesn't mean you're not a lesbian. <laughs> it doesn't mean I'm a lesbian. Well, I'm gonna say she's a lesbian. I'm gonna go ahead and say that I'm I'm over her lesbian antics. I'm over Betty White as you know being the kind of you know oh she's this sassy saucy old lady that we all love. I don't love Betty White. I'm tired of looking at her. And uh, I won't say that I wish she would just go away because, you know, I don't wish that on anybody. I wouldn't want somebody to wish me to go away. But I do think that Betty White's 15 minutes is, is or probably 1,500 years she's been in Hollywood. I'm going to go so far to say that I've lived long enough to uh, to have known Betty White before Betty White was a kitschy, older, uh, you know, grandma. Um she was always an older grandma, it seems like, even back in the, the days of the Mary Tyler Moore yeah, show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I'm going to go so far to say that I've never liked Betty White. I don't think Betty White's funny. I don't that she doesn't hit me in that way. Um, I've heard her say some funny things, and I've heard some funny funny things said about her. Um, but the whole uh, I'm an elderly woman who says moderately sexual things and I'm not attractive so that makes it funny is not funny to me. Yeah, well that's why I'm over it. And it's, it's the same dog and pony show every time with Betty White and that's why she's, you know, the chum for the snark tank. Okay. And I know a lot of people are going to say, oh, but she's such a sweet, sweet lady and she's a, a gift or comedic talents or, or a gift. You know what? 
it's not, I'm not buying it. It's not working. It, it, that's another one of the cheap tricks is using Betty White for anything, America. Okay. So hair extensions and Betty White are cheap tricks this week. Uh, keep them out of Rob's combination platter. What do you have planned for the Boy, Wes, we really can rant and roll. <laughs> yes, you can, as we see in this next clip. Well, you know, you mentioned that you were going off on a rant. I, I feel like it might be time for us to head into the snark tank. Is that true? Ooh. Oh, yes. I love the snark tank. This is, you know, whether it works or not, I love it. Go. Here Let's we are it. in the snark tank. What have you got this week for us? Some chum? I have a little chum. Oh, good. You have some chum? I'll give you my chum. It's going to be quick. Yep. Um, and as you know, Jason, I do not drive. I, I'm a devout walker, taker of public transportation, the occasional cab. But I have noticed something as a pedestrian that is really alarming in its safety risks as well, to me mostly, as well as just the, okay, here it is. I'm going to say it. Mommies in SUVs rolling up to stop signs, casually looking away as they roll up to the stop sign with me and my dog in the crosswalk while they yell, scream at their kid in the backseat or you know, talk on the phone. But can you, or, or driver, can you explain to me why there's this nonchalance about rolling to a stop and then looking away, not making eye contact with the person that is either trying to cross or happens to be in the crosswalk. And is it okay for me to hurl myself onto the hood of their car? I think it's absolutely okay for you to hurl yourself on the hood of the car, but you might be talking to someone who's in a period of anger and bitterness right now, so I, I throw, uh -huh. throw caution to the winds. Well, I have taken now to commenting on people that are having conversations out in public that are, you know, because I, I, I'm always curious who, who, it's the, who, who it benefits from them yelling into their cell phones, whether it's business talk. Which I think business is well, that's a whole separate. I won't even get into that. But yeah, so I, I sometimes will either reply to what they're saying, or I will say the exact same thing that they're saying. Yeah, <laughs> that's a good. Whether that makes me look schizophrenic or not is is really I don't care. I just feel like they got to know that. Listen, if you're putting it out there for everybody, then we're it's okay for me to comment on it. Yeah, you know, I was walking Tammy this morning, and there was a guy on his cell phone talking loudly across the street. And as I was coming around the corner, he said, "Hey, can I, I call you right back?" And he like hung up his phone. Uh, and I I believe he was doing that waiting for me to go past so that he can continue uh -huh. his conversation without my overhearing him. Which, mm -hmm. you know, uh, while I understand that being part of his sort of privacy, he doesn't want me overhearing it. He's sitting in front of an apartment building on the porch next to another apartment building on the street, across the street from other apartment buildings. So what, what about <laughs> all those people there that he's sitting and talking on his stupid cell phone, you know? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I know. I, I agree. I, I, I agree. It's gotten to be it's got to be completely out of control. And I don't think it's going to get any better, to be honest with you. So because we have a foot in a previous generation where there was not all of this technology and you couldn't instantly get a hold of people and you know it's just such rampant insecurity people I see them the minute they walk out their door they're on the cell phone occasionally I fall victim to this and then I kind of remind myself to just enjoy the walk or wherever it is I'm going you know and, and and not to feel the need to have to be in constant contact with somebody but the thing with the car that gets me too is is when they do recognize that you're in the middle of this crosswalk, then they look, smile, and they wave you ahead. And I'm like, I don't need you to wave me ahead. 
I'm the only one paying attention here. I hate that. I hate the, I absolutely detest the, I've just done something rude, but if uh -huh. I smile and wave, then that makes everything okay. I hate that. I hate it. Yeah. You know? Well, good. I think that's some good chum for the snark tank. What do you got for me, for us? My chum for the snark tank this week is reusable grocery bags. And I... <laughs> oh, Hallie's going to love this one. Go nuts. Okay, Go nuts. my problem with reusable grocery bags, I have two of them, okay? I was... The new Trader Joe's opened down the street and they gave away a free one. And I also went to the open house for NASA that uh, JPL had out in Pasadena. And um, okay. so... I will occasionally bring the those those two grocery bags into the grocery store, and I absolutely hate going into Trader Joe's and having them look at the two bags and they choose the Trader Joe's bag first and sort of give, like, my larger JPL bag, they kind of give me attitude about. It's like, you're not using a reusable Trader Joe's bag, so uh, I'm giving you attitude about this. Look, I use paper bags for my garbage, okay? I specifically go to the grocery store. I get paper bags. I put my garbage in the paper bags. My paper bag then goes into the garbage can. It gets taken to the dump. The paper is biodegradable, right? If I yeah, use my, right. my reusable bags, I don't get paper bags. So what do I do? What, do I buy plastic garbage bags then? Is that what I'm supposed to do? So what? Okay, I do that. You know what? Plastic... Uh, you know, I hate the idea that plastic is bad. I mean, that pa people think paper is bad, right? I hate the idea that yeah. people think, oh my God, you're cutting down trees and that's what makes paper. So that's a horrible thing. You know what? It's not like we live in the 1800s anymore. You know, there, there isn't vast swaths of, of forest land that people are going out and chopping down and bringing to the <laughs> factory to make into paper bags. No, they actually grow forests, right, that are specifically made to be paper bags. And look, you know, it's I get it. OK, I, don't get me wrong. There's horrible, horrible waste in the third world. You know, there's the, the rainforests are being chopped down in the Amazon. Uh, I've been to Costa Rica and it's all fenced off with big American factory names written on top of it. The, the waste and, and ruin that's happening in the natural resources in the third world is indefensible. And it's all about corporate laziness and corporate greed. And it's the same environmental problems that corporate laziness and corporate greed have that create for example, the Gulf oil spill or this horrible, horrible explosion that happened in San Bruno last week because uh -huh. they're just not mm -hmm. paying attention. But get on board with that, people. Don't get on board. Don't look at me because I'm getting a paper bag, okay? Paper bags yeah. are... I, 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 you know what? G tell you what you can do. If you want to have this argument with me, I want you to go into the little forest that has been built, uh, that has been grown for paper bags, okay? I want you to sit in the shade there underneath those trees and feel how cool it is. And then I want you to go to the factory that is making your reusable bags and sit on top of the roof there and feel the sun there and tell me which one is more environmentally better. Which one is doing more for the environment? Stupid stupids in your stupidity. Oh, I love it. Wow. Faux environmentalism is, is infuriating me because people focus on these tiny things that really don't do shit for the environment Ugh. and then try to get all superior and high and mighty and as if they're doing something. And yet, you know, what? I mean, I, I can get into it. Population control. Let's just call it population control is the best thing we can do for the environment. Yeah. How's that? Yeah. Because population okay. is... I won't, I won't go any further because we might have people... That, that are going to read more into that statement than, you know, they should or need to. But, yeah, I, I think I know why there's a problem with the environment and pollution. And it's because there's too many of us. Yeah. 
I agree. Population is exponential, you know? And if uh, you don't know what that means, look it up and figure out what exponential So if you don't want my carbon footprint up your ass. <laughs> carbon footprints drive me crazy too. The whole idea that you can offset your carbon footprint is lazy, you know? It, uh, don't, it is. You know, uh, uh, yes. Well, we're a lazy, we're a lazy society. Perhaps that, that's something we can touch on in future episodes. Well, when we're not talking about Survivor. Or the and here thing. is what I like to call snarkalicious. So should, right. we, uh, should we move to the tank? Yeah, yeah let's hear what you have to up? say. Yeah, let's let's sack up and head into the snark tank. Here we go. All right. All right, the snark tank. You know, I, I, this is one of my favorite segments in the show, and I hope you enjoy it too. It's just a chance to vent, to rant, to rave, and and I think you know we both noticed something, and we've both separately been kind of you know mulling it around in our head. So uh, we're gonna ta we're gonna we're gonna double chum it. But it's going to be a single chum, if, if you follow that. And it's this proliferation of tattoos on the youngsters. I mean, not only does this got this has to cost a small fortune. And in a down economy, I don't know where people find this. This is truly, in my opinion, uh, expendable, you know, income. That this is stuff that you should, you know, budget out of your budget. Uh, but yet, I still see every. 20 something nowadays has a obligatory full arm sleeve tattoo some hodgepodge of tribal meets quirky meets cartoon drawing meets cave painting and it's uh god what what is this going to look like when these people age and they will age i hate to say it to you you 20 somethings but you will get older and quit calling me sir that's that's chum. That's more chum for later. But uh, what what say you, Jason? I uh, first of all, I can't wait for there to be sixty, fifty, sixty-year-old women walking around with the tramp stamps and little butterfly tattoos and just you know tattoos all over the place, so that the twenty-year-olds at that time of in you know 30 years down the road now we'll look at these old women and go ugh i don't want that you know like to rebel against the older people not and not get tattoos you know i can't mm -hmm. wait for that because and i'll i i have i went and spoke at the uh, our high school uh, 2 years ago i visited the drama class and i met a bunch of the high school kids there and they all added me as a friend on facebook which is you know great but I, I I do see their pictures posted every now and then. They will post pictures of themselves, and there's one of them who just now has changed her profile picture on Facebook to show the new tattoo that she's gotten on her back, just below her neck. Uh -huh. This you know kind of uh, Ed Hardy looking artwork below her neck, and you know when I was in high school, I had a Pink Floyd The Wall T-shirt that I loved. It had oh, all the Gerald. I remember Garf that shirt. Yeah, it had the, all the drawings that were on it. The you know the the drawings from Pink Floyd the Wall, and the wall was crumbling down, and it said Pink Floyd the Wall, and I thought it was the greatest, coolest T-shirt ever. And when I was on tour in a show that I went to in between my junior and senior year, my bag got stolen from backstage, and that T-shirt vanished. I no longer had that T-shirt anymore, and I was bummed i was like oh no now i can't get that t-shirt again it's gone i love that shirt blah 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 i would not be caught dead wearing that t-shirt now okay mm -hmm. it's not that i don't mm -hmm. like pink floyd the wall 
I, I still enjoy listening to it every now and then. But that particular design of that particular T-shirt, first of all, I'm not going to walk. I'm I'm not going to walk around wearing a Pink Floyd the Wall T-shirt nowadays. And if I would, I would wear something that was a little more understated and a little more my style and age appropriate for me now. And if I had gotten a Pink Floyd the Wall tattoo all over my back at that time of my life, <laughs> I would have thought it was great. And now I would be stuck with that forever and ever and ever. If I'm going to have a scar on my body, I want it to be because I have done something that has a good story behind it. I want to have fallen off a motorcycle and scraped up my arm and went, look at this scar. Let me tell you a story about this. Let me tell you about the time I got bitten by a thresher shark. I want to tell you about the time I was shot at in Da Nang. That's why I have this scar on my body, not because I got drunk when I was 18 and went down to Hollywood Boulevard and got a tattoo on my back. That's not a, a scar. It's kind of like going to the the store and buying jeans that already have holes in them, okay? No, I have a hole in my knee because I have to kneel down and, and adjust the volume on my amp every single time I go out and play a show. That's why I have holes in my knees. I have holes in my knees because I've been lifting hay bales. I didn't go buy <laughs> jeans with holes in them, you know? Yeah, no, I, I couldn't agree more. And I I just, uh, I, I think it's going to be, you know, categorized, except writ large and across the body is the folly of youth. And, you know, the skin, I think what people fail to realize, because, you know, and you brought up this, maybe you could touch on it a little bit after I make this point. You know, people are frozen in time in, in some respect, but the skin is like silly putty. And I don't know if you remember Silly Putty. You would put it on the comic, and it would capture the comic image, and then you could stretch that image. Yeah. And it would morph and change. And, and, and that is exactly what's going to happen to the tattoo and these people's bodies as they age. They're going to widen out and get flabby in spots, and they're just going to have this string of, you know, what, you know, I know it just tells a story, but – is, are you going to want to read that story when you're 60 and have other people read that story? And I, I tend to think not. I think there's going to be a lot of regret. I think there's going to be a psycho uh, therapist dedicated wholly to, um, you know, explaining away these tattoos that people had. Well, and it's just dead skin, too. That's the other thing that uh, to chime in on the folly of youth is that. Uh, there's this belief, and I had this belief, so I can speak from experience, that, you know, you're going to die anyway, so why not smoke? Why not drink? Why not get a tattoo? It's mm -hmm. my body. You only live once. And the misconception of that is that you're going to party until you drop dead, which does <laughs> happen sometimes, and people do party until you drop dead. If but you're lucky. Yeah, if you're lucky, that's what will happen. But in reality, what's going to happen is you're going to party until you stop partying, and then you're going to be alive for another 20 or 25 or 30 years, and your body is going to have dead skin on it where you ripped up your arm, and you're going to have cancer, and you're going to have lung disease, and you're going to have to live in misery sitting around for another 25 years waiting to die. You know, you don't live and then you die. You thought. live and then you're dying and then you die. <laughs> Ah, there's a ray of sunshine always on the What Do They Said show. <laughs> That's your pleasant thought for the day, people. You should have been there on our conversation <laughs> at Rob's birthday when we were talking about the existence of God and what it feels like to not be alive. So, all oh, sorts of I loved it. That was great. I, I, we lost Hallie on that one. She was just like, okay, Did these <laughs> bores bore me any further. <laughs> But, uh, I, but that's what I love about my wife. She doesn't like to necessarily 
dwell on the uh, the existential in the, in the deep, which is a nice balance. Absolutely, absolutely. And speaking of not dwelling on the existential. All right, Wes, put on your leather jacket, run a comb through that pompadour, and get ready to jump the snark. With delight. All right, well, that is, I think since we had the guest on this week, we'll have to trim down our normally long and insightful survivor analysis a little bit just so we don't overrun it this week. And I know that you have some chum for the snark tank, right? I do. I have chum for the snark tank. All right. Well, let's head into the... Well, first of all, let's say goodbye to Survivor. Bye, Survivor. And head into the snark tank. Let me, let me suit up. Okay. Ooh. It's so much more dangerous here in the snark tank. I, I want to back, go back to the warm the warm comfort of the tribal fires of Survivor. But anyway, what do you got snarking you this week? Well, I, as I mentioned in the music cast and then probably in the previous Survivor tank, was I went to the Hardly Strictly Bluegrass Festival, which is a free three-day festival at Golden Gate Park in San Francisco. And what I was immediately, and this is something I've, you know, been really upset about, is the ubiquitous use of camera phones and little handheld camera devices. Immediately when the band plays, you have... 5,000 arms go up in the air, all holding jittery camera phones, capturing bands when they could be watching these people perform right in front of their faces. Instead, everybody's staring at little, tiny, pixelated versions of shaky performers that are designed, I can only imagine, to induce nausea because there's no way that anybody would want to watch that. And it's Purely, I guess, just to prove, in case you forget when you get home later that night that you were actually there, that you witnessed something because it is getting to be ridiculous. People don't even watch shows anymore. They watch the the taped version of the show in real time as they're doing it. I think also that it's it's okay. Let me chime in on that, Rob. Please do. <laughs> Because uh, I'm upset right now. People can't see me, but I am just – I'm almost beside myself. It's its the the sort of Facebook phenomenon of this is what I'm doing, look at me kind of thing. I think they're taking yes. it and posting it somewhere to show other people what they're doing rather than actually being doing what they're doing uh, later. Like you have to instantly do it at the time or later on have some sort of proof that you were doing it. It's not enough to have a status update saying, wow, I saw Patty Smith at Strictly, uh, I saw Patty mm -hmm. Smith at Hardly Strictly Bluegrass. You have to take a video of it saying, here, I was at Hardly Strictly Bluegrass and this is what happened, you know. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I, I wrestle with it myself in that I want to capture certain things. I think I have a, a certain eye for framing and, if you get close enough, sometimes you get some great pictures and stuff like that. But there has to be a limit to that. You know, snapping off a couple – we have the technology now. Snapping off a couple shots is one thing. But literally filming the entire show with shaky handheld devices it, it, with, with you know sound that's just going to be overloading those speakers so it's just going to sound like doo-doo, it doesn't make – it, it, you're missing out. I mean, I've seen people do that when the band is literally performing five feet in front of them and they've spent the entire show watching it through this little camera. They're not always paying them to do this. 
Yeah, I don't understand that. I remember when I went to go see Brian Wilson at the Hollywood Bowl uh, in 2001 or 2002. I don't remember when it was. He mm -hmm. performed Pet Sounds live from start to finish. Um, Amazing album. Yeah, and then he did a bunch of Beach Boy songs, and I was I loved it. I was like, wow, this is great. What a great show. I really enjoy it. And then um, I discovered this was when Napster was big, whenever that was, and mm -hmm. I discovered that uh, like a week later, somebody had recorded the whole show and posted it up on Napster. And I went, wow, how awesome. I, I can get that performance and download it and have it forever. And I mm -hmm. got it and I got the entire thing and I have listened to it never. I've tried, <laughs> but it's not the same. And it's, it, it isn't, it's not even that it's not the same. It's that it's not the performance. It's not that night sitting there doing it, seeing him live. It's, it's not, it's, it's snot, Rob. No, I, I, I hear you. So that, that, that's, that's my chum this week. Uh, people enjoy the moment. They're, I, mean, I don't blame the kids so much because they've grown up with this technology. But it's really become uh, a disease with people that are in their late 30s, 40s to want to document everything. And it's almost at the, at forgetting to enjoy the experience right then and there as it happens to you. And I just want to encourage that, especially when it comes to live music, because you, you miss so much if, if you're not focused on the stage. And so it's, it's more of a, a plea. And plus, I don't want to stare at people's arms holding these iPhones in front of me the whole show. It's ridiculous. It's distracting. It's completely distracting. And ah, damn you, Betty White. <laughs> All right. Well, let's move out of the snark tank then and wrap things up. I don't even remember that one. Well, perhaps we can jog your memory with this clip. This week, let us step away from the Tribal Council fires and Getting head chilly. into the snark tank. I understand you have some snark for the tank this week. I do, I do, and, and this is this is going to be something that I'm hoping you're going to kind of jump in on too. So my snark for the snark tank is uh, it's uh, the chum the chum this week is faux activism, and it was kind of in, uh, inspired by what you had mentioned earlier and that I had saw on Facebook mm -hmm. as well. It's this this trend on Facebook where you are asked to cut and paste things. And make that your status update all all day long in honor of you know whatever the cause it was you know gay bullying or you know breast cancer you know these are all good causes I'm not you know disputing the cause I'm just disputing the the laziness and how I really believe a lot of people think that that by just by doing that they've done something and they can be proud of themselves and it just kind of is. My opinion, Facebook, is that, again, these, these kind of things. It's like wearing the, the Live Strong bracelet around your wrist. Right. It's an accessory. It's an accessory, and it's, it's, it's more uh, of a reflection on you than, than the cause itself. So you're well, not – I'm going to be devil's advocate here. Um, okay. Just be, not that I don't disagree with you, but I, I, I'm going to say that if – I see a bunch of people walking around with a yellow wristband. At at some point, I'm going to say, what is that yellow wristband? You know, and then I'm going mm -hmm. to do a little research on my own. And I'm going to see Lance Armstrong uh, cancer. And I'm going to go, oh, I see. And that gives me awareness of Lance Armstrong's cancer foundation. Um, if a bunch of people post something on their Facebook page that says, uh, 
cut and paste this for an awareness of breast cancer, doesn't that make me then go, why is everybody doing this? Maybe I should check out breast cancer or, you know what? I can't even, I, I can't. I'm sorry. I tried to be devil's advocate, but I can't <laughs> because yeah, I, that's entirely different. If someone says cut and paste this because you know a gay person who's been bullied, I just go, uh, okay, a million people cutting and pasting on their Facebook page, one thing, and a million people walking out their front door, getting in their car, driving to the mall at Washington, D.C., and standing in front of the Lincoln Memorial because they believe in something. You know, That actually I, requires I, effort. I agree. And and. Along those lines, I mean, to me, real activism is anytime you hear somebody make a a disparaging comment about somebody's sexuality, you actively intervene or let your voice be be heard saying, ah, I don't agree with that. That is not how you should talk to another human being. That is doing something very real. Somebody's sick. You go and visit them in the hospital. Well, most that, people no, want no. to. Most people want to be parented, Rob. Most people want to walk around and be a child, a child of God, usually. But uh -huh. they most okay. mostly they want to be children, uh, and they want to have either a big father like God in the sky, who who gives them the rules that they have to obey and pay attention to, so that they can stay in his good favor, so they can get ice cream at the end of the trip, uh, or mm -hmm. they can go to heaven at the end of it, or they just want to be. They don't want to be an adult. They don't want to make decisions for themselves. They don't want to take responsibility and be in charge. So the idea of posting something on their Facebook page or doing something uh, to that is inactive is them just being a child saying, oh, look, do you approve of me now? Am I okay? Am I being approved? And if you turn to somebody when they say something like that, it's really very easy uh, when someone's being... Um, Oh, what's the word? Someone's being derogatory towards any other human being to turn to them and say, hey, hey, calm down, slow down there, because they will instantly become mm -hmm. a child again and want to please you. <laughs> you know, so <laughs> you go, hey, st stop. I, I don't approve of that. Then they'll go, oh, yeah, you're right. You're right. I'm sorry. Very few people stand up for themselves in something like that because they really don't believe what they're saying about being derogatory to gay people or black people or any person. They really don't believe it. They just are parroting what they've heard other people say because they don't have to think for themselves. I, I, I agree. The thing too is when people, when you put your particular statement up about, I think you said it was kind of a lazy slogan and that, you know, just the, the mere idea that you would question what what everybody was trying to do on Facebook and 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 how that was somehow noble. Everybody's uh, um, problem with it was really about them. It wasn't about the cause as much as it was about them being misunderstood, them not being uh, you know having their their good deed challenged, and so it really all just starts coming back to the individual. And it isn't about the larger cause. It's about an individual being understood and and being thought of as a, you know, how they want to be thought of. Yeah. There was so that's my problem with all this faux activism. It's really uh, it, it's not being active for a cause. It's being active for your own personal narrative you're trying to construct. Right. I agree. Um, yeah, no, no. The, so there, there we go. I, I, that's that's the snark. I, I, I feel like this episode, Jace, is 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 a thinking man's episode. Well, see what happens. We don't when we don't clutter ourselves with pretty women guests. 
Yeah, right. I know. God, we go right back to the uh, you know the cerebellum uh, as opposed <laughs> to the <laughs> I don't know what what the gonad. Fancy some more? I, I have enough rage. So what can I tell you? Yeah, yeah. Well, nothing nothing riles us up quite like the snark tank, though. All right, so let's move into the snark tank. Got my regulator in my mouth. I'm ready to jump in to the snark tank. And we have we have some chum. I, I know you have some chum. My chum is this. We live in a simulacrum world. And what, the, what that word is, everything is kind of like something else. Where every, like Las Vegas is meant to be like all of the um, places that these hotels mimic paris and new york and whatnot so there, there's sort of a a warping of what is real and so i was on the bus and there was a girl in front of me on her cell phone and she was talking loudly you know because everybody needs to hear what was going on in this dingbats world and she in the space of two minutes i counted because i am nothing if not crazy used the word like 62 times in two minutes now, i know she was using it as a space filler an um, or you know, but when you're hearing conversations like that, it is unnerving because every statement she said lost its validity because it was like something else. It was like he was all this, and I was like that. Rather than saying I was this, he said that. Right. And yeah. it got to be got me thinking how frustrating it is. And then I was looking at all these uh Facebook posts of Aubrey Huff, who's a San Francisco Giant. He's been wearing a red thong throughout the playoffs for good luck. And everybody was like talking about that as if this was something that he had just kind of popped into his mind, people of a, a younger generation. When in reality, this is straight out of Bull Durham. Oh. So it wasn't him being original, and then he gets on stage at the parade yesterday, and he reaches into his pants and starts wrestling with himself, and he pulls out the red thong and holds it for everybody to see, which, again, was right out of Zoolander, a movie where this exact same scene plays out. So here he is pulling out the thong from Bull Durham in a fashion that was done in Zoolander to display it to the crowd who was eating it up. And I wondered if anybody was picking up on the fact that none of this was original. This was all something that had happened before, which again relates to the theme park in Orlando, Florida, where people are watching a fake Jesus get whipped and spit on and dragged down a street as if it was like living in Jesus's time. And believe me, rather than people should be more concerned with living like Jesus in reality than watching, than living like Jesus in, you know, an era when there was no sewage system and, and people were cruel and mean to each other. It just, the whole thing was driving me absolutely crazy. And I had to hear this girl prattle on and on about how everything was like this and like that and please just say what you mean people just say what you mean i know i hear you well every everybody is more comfortable with the familiar and that's the reason why everything that comes out on movies nowadays is something we've already seen before not even original material is original anymore because it's borrowing and paying homage to material from the past but 
can you believe we have Jerry Brown as a governor again? Because it's the exact same thing as going to see the remake of The Omen, because it's just it's just the same thing. You know, it's yeah, comforting. No, it's again. 1974 all over again. Yeah, I agree. It's and I don't know if this is new or not, or maybe just because we're creeping on in years that we're having an awareness of it. Were we aware mm -hmm. when Sean Cassidy was singing to do Ron Ron that we were just hearing a song that had been done before? Or were we just thinking we were hearing I something knew that. new? Because I, I was in I remember the original because I was very much into music. I think the word like as a conversational tool came about in our lifetime and it was during the whole valley girl thing yeah, yeah when probably. moon unit zappa was using it it kind of came into popular culture then but now it's become just a part of how people speak and you, it really makes people sound stupid in my opinion i agree i agree it it's kind like, of ties into my chum for the snark tank uh which ooh, gives is me irony which i was talking about cover earlier. me in chum yes uh the the idea of walking around, I see this a lot in, in, in Hollywood, and I'm sure you see it up there in San Francisco as well. But the people mm -hmm. who are dressed in a quote-unquote ironic way, the girl who's wearing a, a polyester shirt from the 70s with her hair done up and her, and her makeup done like somebody from the 70s, is doing so not because they're trying to emulate the look of the 70s, but she's doing so because she cannot believe how horrific people dressed in the 70s. What a dreadful dress this is. Can't you tell how irony and hip I am by wearing this dreadful dress? The guys with the, uh, the facial hair that is mm -hmm. huge mustaches that look ridiculous uh, isn't this great uh, aren't i ironic for wearing this ridiculous mustache aren't i ironic for wearing this shirt that's too tight for me with armpits that are yellow that i bought at the vintage mm -hmm. store I, I, isn't that ironic because i wouldn't be caught dead in this thing that's why i'm wearing it well you know what you actually are wearing it it's not ironic. You actually are wearing that thing. You actually are walking around looking like that. Don't you get it? It's not an irony. This is what's going on, you dumbass. So what am I supposed to be getting here? You know, it's it's not ironic. It, it, God, I, I just it just drives me crazy. Well, it's driven by fear, though. The irony is that it's driven by fear because that is the trend. And so if you aren't participating in the trend, then you are fearful that you are not going to you know, be cool and you're not going to be thought of as the hipster that you are because you're not participating in the trend, which is exactly what you're talking about, dressing like that. So it's all fear-driven and there's nothing original about any of it. None of it becomes original at that point if everybody's doing it. Yeah, exactly. Well, the funny thing is, 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 I've had this conversation with people, is you put things out into the world. You dress in a trendy fashion or you post pictures of yourself on Facebook. And your intent may be, look, I'm being ironic. Or can't you uh, see that I, you know, I'm, uh, I'm doing this for you know, whatever purpose. But you can't control how people think. Right. And you can't control what I think, but this generation in particular really wants to have control over everybody's thought of them. And they're so careful to concoct their, their brand and their image. But ultimately, once you put it out there into the world, it is uh, fodder for anybody. And so you 
can think that they look girlish and they can defend it to the hilt. They can even beat you up to prove the point, but it's not going to change that you still think that hoop earrings and guys look girly. Right, exactly. Uh, I have to make but a... But they want so desperately to, to control their, their, you know, your thoughts, my friend. All right, well, now I'm getting irritated with us, so why don't we wrap this up? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'm still not sure I get what that one was about. Well, Bob, perhaps this will jog your memory. Uh, snuffing, our, snuffing our torches and snarking up. Ooh. Let, me get on, let me get on my suit. Yeah, exactly. We've been snarking a lot. It's, it seems it's kind of funny that we actually move into a segment where we have to be snarky. But... <laughs> yeah. Well, this is separate. This is a separate snark. Yeah. Tank. All right. So my chum is this. It, it's. I'm not going to go too off on it because we have been snarking it up lately. But uh, it's it's related to Nayanka, who's a contestant on Survivor, and she's one of these people that cling so very tightly to this idea of. This is who I am. You can hate me or you can love me, but I'm not changing for anybody. So fuck you. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And it seems to be a very American quality, this, this idea. But to my way of thinking, if, if you are an asshole, celebrating your assholeness is just it, – it, it, just, it just makes you seem really stupid. And the idea that – you are, how should I put it? Um, you take such pride in being an idiot and you're going to defend your idiot stance to anyone who will listen just makes me have just no time for you whatsoever. Do you, do you know people like this, Jason? I do. And I think it's, I will go a little further with that because it kind of ties into what I was going to say about my chum this week for the snark tank. And let me see if I can tie it all in together. Uh, Ooh, my, try. my chum for the snark tank is grown men who refer to themselves as Lil something, okay? Uh, like <laughs> Lil Bow Wow or Lil Wayne. Dude, Lil Wayne, you just got out of yeah. prison <laughs> on a weapons charge, and you're a celebrity, and you make music. I think you can go to the big boys' room now. You're not Lil anymore. What's the whole point of going through this experience, this rite of passage of being in prison, if you're still going to be Lil Wayne, okay? Grow up. Grow up. Be a man. Actually step into your manhood. You look like a man. Behave like a man. Call yourself a man. Um, and I think it's this idea of clinging to, yeah, hey, man, I grew up in the streets and this is who I am. No, change. Go ahead. Go ahead and change and grow up and be an adult. Be an adult. None of you are being an adult. Dan did the, the very thing that you're describing last night in uh, the episode. Cause, and that bothers me, too, which is he was like, hey, I'm from Brooklyn. We don't have zip lines in Brooklyn. No? Well, you're not in Brooklyn, dumbass. How about experience <laughs> life, right? Go out and do something different. And I hear that a lot, too. Hey, I'm from Brooklyn. Oh, yeah? So you're here now. Why don't you use your ATM card and get out of the way here at Trader Joe's? Hey, we don't have ATMs in Brooklyn. Oh, okay. Go back to Brooklyn! <laughs> I uh, Yeah, I, I think that does relate. I agree. I, I, as, a, as a man, I don't think I'd want to refer to myself... As Lil in any sense of the word, you know, I, I don't want to, wouldn't want to confuse people out there, but, um, I, I agree. I, I caught that Brooklyn thing too. And, and, and it pricked up my ears. I was like, you know, I'm, I'm over that too. It, it, it's, it's, it just shuts down the experience of growth when you approach life like that. 
This is who I am. I'm from here. We don't do this. And well, a lot of other people do. Not everybody has, is, is from Brooklyn. And that is not the way that I would say, hmm, let me see, Brooklyn has a fair amount of people, but I don't know, billions of other people have a different life experience than you. Yeah, it's it's clinging to it's the same thing as saying, hey, I was a baby once in a crib and I had a mommy, so I'm never changing. I want to get back in my crib and crawl up in the fetal position and suck my thumb uh, because that's where I came from. Those are my roots. OK, yeah. fine. I was watching this Discovery Channel special the other week where it was about this lost empire. Right. And it wasn't the Roman Empire and it wasn't the Greeks and it wasn't the Moors. It was some other empire that they that didn't get any press. Right. They, they you don't mm -hmm. learn about them. But their whole society was kind of like Logan's run. You know, men became uh, in the army uh, in their 20s and they had to become in the army and they had to pray to their whatever their God was. And there was human sacrifice and all sorts of stuff. And that's the way they lived, you know. And that's mm -hmm. the world that they created around them. And it's just so foreign to me. I can't even imagine that life, living that life, like that means anything. Uh, but if I went and lived in that life, I could probably touch these people and experience the emotions that was going on with them because we're human. We both have human emotions. We have things mm -hmm. that connect with because we're human. Uh, I wouldn't walk in and go, whoa, you guys are whack. <laughs> hey, we don't we don't do like this in the Hollywood Hills, right? Hey, we all drive our PT cruisers and leave our doors unlocked. Not that I leave my door unlocked, but you know that sort of thing. I don't know. That well, might... well, that's you know, you know, little Jason has some sort of self awareness about these things. Yeah, you know, I do. I, I, when someone bumps into me at Trader Joe's and says, "Excuse me, sir," I'm like, "You're damn right." <laughs> I am a sir. I'm an adult now. Thank you. Thank you for calling me sir, little boy. Why don't you go about your business? And when you grow up, boy, my neighbors, I got new neighbors now. They are such lils, uh -huh. lil people. He's got the the crazy hair, the ironic facial hair, the huge Zach Gaffinacolapagus beard. And he set an uh -huh, easel uh -huh. up. He set an easel up. Oh, God. Please. Wow. Well, that's like a trifecta of, of jackassery. Oh, man. I can't wait to not see anything he's painted. Ooh, just listening to that gets me pre-angry. Then you're well charged up for the following. Are we heading into the snark tank this week? Oh, well, why not? I have a, I have a, I have a tiny bit of chum. All right, well, here we are then. Let me get my, you know how I like to suit up for this, Chase. I do, I know, I do, I know. Get Sounds my central. flippers on. You never know when you might have to get out of, get out of the way of a... 18-foot-long snark. Farewell and adieu to you, fair Spanish ladies. <laughs> um, all right, so here's my bit for the snark tank this week. It is the term party like a rock star. <laughs> okay. And I cannot tell you how over this term I am, especially because it is always delivered by people who know nothing about partying like a rock star, who couldn't even comprehend how a rock star might party. And let me tell you something, unless these people are like mainlining, you know, speed and heroin and gobbling up pills and chasing it back with, you know, Brandy Alexanders, 
just because you went to Vegas and stayed up past midnight, moms and dads, does not make you a rock star. Because you do well on a project at work does not make you a rock star. What makes you a rock star is sleeping in a bus for two months and playing shows with limited sleep, with the hangover the size of Texas. That is what makes somebody a rock star. What makes somebody a rock star is playing in an arena for thousands and thousands of people. That is what makes you a rock star, not simply picking your kids up from school on time after running other errands and chores. That does not make you a rock star. Jason, please tell me, is it me or is it them? <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'm going to say that perhaps sometime in your past, you rocked like a rock star and now it bothers you. I don't know. It is them. I agree. It's a phrase. It, there's a, another YouTube video rolling around or was being passed around for a little bit. Uh, uh -huh. I don't know if you've seen it. So this little cartoon where uh, two cartoon people talk to each other. And it's called something like I'm a tea partier. And the the one person explains being a tea partier and the other one is sort of the debater about what things they're saying. And it goes back and forth. And I the, don't know. I haven't seen that. Yeah, it's it's interesting. The debater says... Uh, it feels like you're just saying things. Words have meanings, uh, which I thought I think is a really spectacular thing to say, which I thought really nailed it on the head, that words have meanings. There, there are things that people say that specifically address other things, you know, like an apple is called an apple and we all agree on it. And the phrase partying like a rock star actually has a meaning if it actually applies to partying like a rock star, you know? So to say mm -hmm. something which doesn't have anything to do with what you're saying, just to say it, doesn't have any meaning. And so much of what people say now doesn't have any meaning, unlike what it's we meaningless. say. Meaningless! Which is dense and beautiful. Well, you know, it, it, it's the, it trickles down to, oh my God, we got rock star parking. Let me tell you something, folks. Rock star parking is not ever having the park. You simply get dropped, dropped off in a stretch limousine. I live across the street from a rock star. And Trey Cool has never parked a car a day in his life in my neighborhood. Because if he did, he wouldn't be living here because it would drive him fucking crazy. <laughs> Spoken like a rock star. Excellent. <laughs> Good snark this week. Why don't we uh, head on out of the tank and wrap it up. Another exciting week here in the WDS podcast. Well, Wes, thanks a bunch. <laughs> I couldn't have said it better myself. Thank you for joining me on this journey of whimsy. This has been Wesley Vanderport for the WDS. Please return next week for a brand new, fresh episode of The Tank. Until then, I remain yours. Good evening. the winner of The Apprentice and you're listening to what I'm sorry what do they said okay sorry <laughs> let me do it again sorry 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 what okay what do they said hi this is Alicia Witt and you're listening to what do they said what did do they say I don't know hi this is Molly Bryant and you're listening to what do they said what did he say ah shit alright um hi this is Molly Bryant and you're listening to what do they said said I don't know what to say. Shit, what would be funny? Say, say, say that you love me. Totally off key. <laughs> okay. Hi, this is Brandy, the winner of The Apprentice, and I, you're listening. Sorry, hi.
Hi, this is Brandy, the winner of The Apprentice, and you're listening to What Do They Said. And I'm excited to listen to my favorite uh, celebrity radio crusher talk with my, well, fuck, I don't even know what I just said. Fuck, see? I don't even curse in real life, honestly. <laughs> I should just say that. Hi, you're listening to Debase and fuck. <laughs> uh, clever or witty is not my specialty. Um, this is Zandy Aris, and you're listening to... I'm, what's funny is I'm trying not to do my old outkick from the radio. Hi, this is Poppy from The Apprentice, and you're listening. Oh, if I could speak English. Um, sorry. Okay, so before you go, can I also get you to do a station ID for us? Yes, what is it? Uh, the show's called What Duvet Said. So oh, it's genius. Utterly genius. Your, your cultural references span, you know, I, I mean, they're absolutely hilarious. And, and our, my writers are all, I mean, are all hugely intellectual. And not one of my writers has, has ever written for a, a teen threat before. You know, I have David E. Kelly writers, I have. And Sorkin writers, I mean, they're, they're really the smartest people I know, and they just howl. They think it's so hilarious. Hi, I'm Holly Thornton, creator of Make It or Break It, and you are listening to What Do They Said. Love, 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 love